How you doing, everybody? Christopher Ian Bennett here with the Vancouver Film School Storyteller Studio Podcast. Uh, our guest today, uh, this is someone that you've probably seen in a whole bunch of interesting places, whether it was Better Call Saul, maybe you saw him on The Walking Dead, maybe it was Westworld, maybe it goes way, way back and it was an animated piece, OKKO. Okay, uh, wow. Law and Order. Look at you pulling out. Law and Order. We were just talking about Dick and, Wolf the other day. Uh, Go on. But I would be lying to you if I said that my 11-year-old son wasn't off camera right now just waiting for this moment as I was. Any video game fan worth their salt knows Mr. Steven Ogg as the one and only Trevor Phillips from Grand Theft Auto V. Uh, Steven, what's going on? Thank you for Crazy. coming on today. Thank you for having me. Grand Theft Auto V, it still amazes me that I often uh, repeat ad nauseum that people still give a shit. They and don't I'm just... curious if when 6 comes out, assuming there is a 6. There I, will be, yeah, I yeah, yeah. never played, I never followed along. If 5 becomes irrelevant, like is 4 irrelevant? Don't You're we're... a gamer? Are you yeah. a gamer? Yeah. Oh, we are diehard in our Okay, family. so is 4... Four is no longer relevant, um, but what ends up happening is what I and I do not speak for Rockstar Games. A little disclosure, um, but I suspect with each new console and of course the buzz around the new PlayStation Five, the new Xbox console, possibly even Nintendo. What's the buzz about that? Well, there's going to be a new one in a year, new one. So PS4 is about to be obsolete. They're going to go PS5. So whenever they upgrade the hardware, usually a big iconic Rockstar game implements itself and people are predicting it'll be gta 6 really um so you've got another year um where you... those take seven years but i mean steven your your character though and i know you talk about this uh, you get asked about it a lot um but i mean does it do you fully appreciate like with the exception of mario pac-man <clears throat> what fox master chief Trevor Phillips is in the pantheon of maybe the five biggest video game characters of all time. Like, it's a big deal. And this isn't a caricature that you played. It's based on you, the likeness, yeah. the behavior. Like, this is a, it's a phenomenon in that it's the biggest selling video game of all time. It's the but biggest that, but that entertainment character, product of all time, right? I mean, in three days, I think it did, what, a billion dollars? Or it did more than Avengers, Star Wars. It was the biggest. Yeah entertainment product of anything of all time of any kind in those three days it's pretty incredible i mean it's, it's kind of cool to be part of that i mean i was trevor and what was so fun about the game is you bring that character to life and i at any point in that user interface of that video game as i know you don't play the game so I'm, i know you're familiar i yeah. get to choose to be trevor and so i could be you <laughs> like that's crazy right do you People must walk up to you all the time and go, holy shit, you know. Does it get old? It's, um, well, I mean, seriously, you're ruining this entire podcast because you're chugging whiskey as a child. And that's probably. Be the, quiet. I mean, I right there it says quietly. everything, right? Put that away. We're filming. I'm just kidding. This is you what know, happens. You know I'm kidding, you bring, right? Okay. You bring your diehard super fan 11-year-old son to meet Stephen Ogg. Just so all of a sudden, 10 years from now, you're not in therapy going, yeah, I really shut down after my dad interviewed him and he kind of made fun of me. It'll be, a, it'll be so Stephen Ogg we send the bill to. <laughs> okay. Please but do. But when people come up to you, um, do, they, do they... I mean, it's, it's one of those things that, A, I don't get tired of because it's something I'm proud of. Of course. Um, if it was, you know, I guess like the whole voice acting thing, if I was literally just voice acting this character and it was, you know, I was, eh, whatever, I didn't really do anything that great, I would feel, yeah, you can stop talking about it now. Yeah. But it was motion capture and all, granted you do do recording in the studio for the driving stuff when there's yeah. not acting involved, but it's still the commitment to that character, the commitment for, for everyone, for Ned and for Sean, who played the other characters, um, such a commitment to that in both time and energy. I, I've, I've known you now for, for, for about 24 hours, and in that time... You're exhausted. Welcome to my world. There's no, there's no <laughs> doubt that this man... I feel like it's been 24 years. Yeah. There's no doubt that Trevor, that character, is you. Um, you know, which came first with Rockstar. Like, there's... Did they... Were you cast because there was a fairly decent 
you know, uh, breakdown of who who they wanted and you fit that bill. I mean, I, I just feel like you embody mm-hmm. it so much as such a fan of the game. And I've logged, I mean, we're talking probably thousands of hours over but the that, last but, six I years. I mean, here's the thing with that, right? It's like, I mean, especially like you go on my Instagram and comments, which I'm not a, I don't engage with people. Cause, Why? Why? You're so engaging. Um, my Instagram is, is an art installation for me. You know, it's, it's, you do a painting and you hang it in the gallery and you walk away from the gallery. You don't hang out in the gallery going, what do you think about my painting? What do you think about what I said or expressed or painted? You just do it and let the people feed on what they want to feed on and get what they want to get out of it. Um, Instagram has become for me an opportunity because if, you know, my inspirations being artists, painters, and musicians, not actors. Actors don't inspire me. Some do, but most of the time, it's artists. If, if I could write a song and put it on an album, that's what I would do. I don't. I know how to write. I do like you play to play anything? I, like to, I don't. I recently got a banjo. How's that going? I love the, like, the, uh, the rolls they call them, like, five, five, two, one, four, two, one. Doing? I'm literally. Did you get like an app for it too? To no, I just it? YouTube it. I just sit oh, in front sweet. of my uh, 16 inch going. And why not? A, and like, I took a couple a ukulele or a, a guitar. Why a banjo? I've always been obsessed with the banjo. Yeah, I Since my that country house, you. I wanted to sit on my porch <laughs> and grow a beard and just rock back and forth and just not deliverance, but just. I mean, <laughs> the Avid brothers have always been. Scott plays the banjo, and he's he's always been. They actually played a funeral. Do you know the Avid Brothers? Well, of course, not personally, but okay. yes, I'm familiar with and their their finer musical works. They uh, with the they collection. Pl- they played a, a funeral of someone this, you knew. This is yeah. This is now twenty plus years ago. <laughs> yeah, in New York, and it was these amazing girls. This is the, this is again the side tangents, but these girls had I forget the name of the disease. Um, but they were supposed to not live past a year. And they were twins. Mm-hmm. They had steel teeth. They had surgeries every week. They had no fingers, no toes. Oh Natalie my. Merchant recorded with them. Oh, wow. These, these girls were just amazing, beautiful human beings that embodied what it is to survive and persevere. And they died a week apart in their 20s, when they were only supposed to live a year, their thing was they wanted the Avett brothers to sing at their, not the funeral, but at the, whatever the... The The celebration of life? Yeah, I guess let's call it that. Yeah. And so at the time, my son was probably three, four, and he was sitting on the ground, and there's just the three of them. This is back when it was the three of them. Wow, that's a hell of a thing. And Scott kept breaking his banjo and, and all of that. And I didn't know they were such a big college hit. But I went up to him. I was like, you guys are going to be good. Well, now, of course, they're, they're much different. But it's really, ever since then, and, and the banjo, I've always been obsessed with it. And if I can play Flower in Manhattan, the, the, the song that Scott plays, which is amazing, if you watch him do it acoustically on his banjo, I'm like, that's all I want. Well, that's a cool instrument. Um the sound of it. And apparently Steve Martin. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, Steve Martin is like, but I mean, he is very good. Like, I mean, no oh, kidding. A, yeah, he's, he's like a master. Yeah, he takes it really seriously. Um, you are from Calgary originally. Yeah. Um, you went to University of Calgary. You played volleyball. One year. Um, and now you're an actor. What happened? Why aren't you a pro volleyball? You're, you're in great shape. For those of you who are watching, you can't tell. He, he dwarfs me by probably a, a good foot and a half. You look like you were built for, for sports. You're, you're looking after yourself. What, uh, why um, volleyball? Would the volleyball playing guy have been surprised where you are today? Steve? Well, I was, I was a runt. I think it was TSN when I played one match that TSN televised, and they were questioning the coach's decision to have me play because I was 6'3". That's cool. I'm just a tiny little runt. Of course. Um, volleyball and, and athletics, I mean, talk about, you know, acting and the, the we can make this analogy between uh, uh, acting and athletics regarding sort of, as Guns N' Roses says, you know, get in the ring, motherfucker. I want to kick your sorry little ass. It's that same thing. It's the competition. Yes. Um, I acted before volleyball. I did theater growing up in Calgary. 
I did, um, and I have no idea why, in elementary school, Eugene Cost, E-U-G-E-N-E-C-O-S-T-E spells Eugene Cost, Eugene Cost. <laughs> Such a ridiculous theme song for a school. Proud of all the people that are in it. You're a little shy when you begin it. Such a disturbing school song. But anyways, we had that, and I did um, Betty Boop. I dressed as in drag. And what grade was this? Elementary. So elementary is what, uh, grade one through four or five? Sure, yeah. Yeah, even up to like seven, eight. But you're, so, but, so theater was your first love. So I did that. I did that. Yeah. I did theater and um, sports was always something I enjoyed as well. But I, I was like, in Calgary, I was, the, the, the theater community saw me as a jock. Yeah. <clears throat> and the jocks saw you. The jocks the... saw me as a theater. Did the term we can't say these days? Did you struggle with ke- keeping attention in class? If I was to go back and read your your report cards, what 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 am I reading? No, Stephen. I was a great student. Like you were academically, you were focused. Yeah. The really? teachers actually got kind of... I mean, I don't mean really like, that shocks me. I just mean... You seem uh, like a real dumb yeah, guy. Yeah, no, 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 no. I just feel like uh, you you would be, uh, I would think the creative side, your right brain, I would think for mm-hmm. a guy like you must be always firing. And that's... Uh, Friday night, I would prefer to sit home and work on the book report title page for Monday than anything. I loved, I loved the process of learning. Mm-hmm. I love education. I don't necessarily agree with the institution mm-hmm. and the way things are being taught and what's being cut out arts i mean new york city i mean arts is cut out and yeah. physical education is cut out all these really important things um but i loved the idea of learning and i loved the i love that always love that you Do you, when you get you get all the stuff i mean from westworld to better call Saul, which Critically acclaimed, critically acclaimed. Walking Dead, one of the biggest shows ever on TV, ever. Huge character. A lot of yeah. a lot of people, do you get the same stuff over and over? Like, is this part of, part of what's the part of the acting you love? And do you, do, you, do you enjoy this part of it? You must get sick of it when it's the same thing. I really did not want to have you on today and give you the same interview you've always had to do. No, I think, I mean, I love the craft of acting. Yeah. Do you? As much as I love still education, yeah, it's the same thing. But the institution is the same as the business of acting. Does that make sense? Do you, so we, I love there there. I love to do, but I and I, I don't I don't like necessarily the the or I don't understand the business aspect of it, and I don't I don't enjoy. It. I love to do. I'm I'm happy when I'm working. When you're not working, and every actor has those periods. They 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 may be few and far between in, in at different parts. But one of the things that I'm always fascinated by when I when I'm around actors is trying to figure out what do you do in that downtime. Um, do you do you stress over it? Most of the actors I talk to, and and some of them are are just dynamite, and they still are worried that they'll never get another call. Do you fixate on that? What's the what, tell me about the lows, not necessarily the highs. How do you manage that as an actor? Um, the lows I tend to live a little too frequently. That's I mean, not I, unusual. I don't work a lot. Like people think I'm really busy and I have all these things, but you know, even with Snowpiercer, the the show I'm doing here. Which is a reboot. I mean, it's based on the graphic novel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the movie was based on the graphic novel. Yeah. And so it's the same story. Yeah, but it's a uh, TV series. It's a TV series. Yeah. Version. What but a cool story it is, too. It's but. an incredible story. And what a, I mean. But t- take me to the lows. You live them and they, you don't work as much as people think. How do you get through that? What do you tell yourself? How do you bring, how do you erase that when it's time to get down to work? What's your trick? Well, when I get down to work, it's great. I mean, I have, I, I always say when I recently did something on the show and, and people were very complimentary um, and sunshine up the ass always feels good. Yeah, of course. Um, and, they, and, and it was actually, it was someone who was a fan of the video game. And he's like, I've seen that and I've seen your work, but to see you on set how you prepare to get to a place that then I can watch you act. He says, it's been incredible. I think that particular day I cried. <laughs> big surprise. I'm a <laughs> nice. big crier. Nice. I think I cried and I hugged him and I said, oh, bless you, man. I mean, that's, that's just a beautiful thing to say. 
but it's all about with any of this. So the, how, how do you go through the lows for the work? Here's the analogy to try to bring it around to like athletics. It's all in your preparation. Yeah. Okay. So it's all in, if you know you're doing something on Wednesday, your big game, your big fight, your big scene, whatever the fuck it is. It's all about that preparation for that day. So if you're in a low, as I tend to be, um, when you have something to focus on, A, it's wonderful because you have something to focus on. So you're always like, okay, what, what do I have to do? I, have to, I need to, okay, at 5 p.m. I'll have a, a 6.5 IPA. At 6.30 p.m. I'll have dinner and by 8 o'clock I'll be in bed and I'll get up and do some yoga in the morning and I'll go to a spin class. And you kind of prepare. You keep busy. You keep busy. Yeah, you keep busy. And, it, and it's tough when you don't, like I sort of, with so much time on my hands, it gets to be very difficult for me personally. Um, I try to milk the teat out of life. Do you watch yourself? Will you, 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 will you go back and look at the work and critique it? I don't care, honestly. I mean, I don't watch TV and movies. Why? That's crazy. Um, You're in so much of it. I know. Well, I try. Like, I, I try to. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it was funny. I was in L.A. doing this uh, project that Dave Navarro is part of from Jane's Addiction. And he's been yes. a huge, like, musicians. I mean, when I, Dallas Green, City in Color, when he performed last year and we were hanging out backstage. Oh, like, man, I was you and just, I are going to get along great. I'm a music guy. Too. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a music I'm freak. And, and I was holding, literally holding Dallas. And just eyes filled with tears for, like, what he has contributed to my life is incredible. His lyrics, his music, his inspiration. And Navarro, same thing. Going yeah. back to Jane's Addiction. Yeah. Nothing shocking. Again, you put that album on now and it's, it's just as good and new and fresh as anything out there. Um, Point being, hanging out with him, and he, you know, he was saying he doesn't really. He was asking me about did I see some show, and I was like, yeah, I don't really watch that shit. I don't watch. You stuff. strike me as just as stuff happens, you kind of let it happen. You're you're wherever the day takes you. you well, my like. inspiration is music and art. So, yeah. and for him, he like you know he doesn't listen to music as much as one would assume a musician would. Just as what you were saying, an actor you would assume would watch everything. I used to. I mean, I used to watch, like, back in the DVD days. Yeah. You know what a DVD is, kid? <laughs> you ever heard of a DVD? Yes, I did. All right, son. Um, I used to watch in the morning a film, like a Criterion Collection. Yeah. And then in the evening, I'd watch the director's cut. Oh, yeah? Obsessed. Watched everything. Watched and But nowadays, I just don't get that much do you have the appetite to direct ever i mean you you strike me as also somebody who probably uh do you take direction well what's it like directing you what would if i was to talk to any of your directors and you've worked with some great ones what would they say about you yeah i mean I, 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 there's there's a huge difference with directors in if a director says when a director says I, i'm i'm game i'm like because that's a challenge for me yeah then don't don't do this okay cool aces a good director will give you good direction. Yeah. That makes sense. Directors that say, okay, now be more happy and sad. Huh? What? Be more happy and sad. The fuck does that mean? Well, you nod. Right. You don't want to be difficult, and I'm not difficult. You just nod, and all you know is that they, they maybe don't know how to articulate or communicate what they want, but they know it's something different. So then your job is to do it different. And that could be talk louder. Right. Or not do as much or just change it up. Uh, um, I love, I mean, direction. I mean, just recently with Snowpiercer, we've had so many great when directors on Snowpiercer. When you were working it. on Better Call Saul, um, you worked with Bob oh. Odenkirk. Oh, my uh, God. What a whole bunch of incredible guys. Did he direct any of the episodes you did? No. Um, Thomas did, who wrote it. And, and Tom, Tom, I mean, Thomas is an incredible director, famous for doing many, 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 many takes. Did you? But did that's, I think, more Vince. I mean, I because uh, you know, there there might be something coming up on Better Call Saul that 
Oh, interesting. Well, when you kids were, might want to pay attention to. Well, if, to, if Tom, mm-hmm. whether it was Tom or Vince on a show like that too, like yeah, he likes to do different camera angles. Um, do you find that's a director's trick or is that a cinematographer's trick? Like how how did you um. Like, when I say a lot of takes, I've read that he could go, like, 20, 30, 40 takes. Is that true? Yes. That's uh, yeah. that's a lot of takes for one scene. How do you... Um, how that's do you f- also, I mean, so I think I think the whole idea with that is Vince um, Gilligan said he never wants to cut to the same angle or shot. So that's stylistically the show. And when you yeah. watch the show, you yeah. do see it is fucking unique. And that's because of yeah. Well said. I agree. You're that. right. You're so right. I think that's Vince Gilligan, yeah. sort of saying this is what we're going to do. And I don't know if that's a director's trick, but I think there's only so many actors who. I mean, come on. After a long day on a shoot, and you're at take twenty of forty-eight. Oh, I love that. You like it? Fuck yeah. So you really I'm talking do. about this the other day at the Vancouver, the, 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 the Vancouver Film School. Like any time you have an opportunity, you get off on that. Eh? That you that gets that pumps you up for sure. Because anytime you have a chance to repeat, it's not it's not repetition through boredom. It's a new opportunity every fucking time to communicate, to to tell someone and to listen. Like I'm every time I'm gonna change you. And it should be different. You know, there's actors that say I don't want to read the lines before because I want them to be spontaneous. What? What are you talking about? It should be an organic thing that you've done them 6,000 times and keep doing it differently. Every time should be different. Every time. I mean, that's, that's my thing. I'm, I'm excited by that. I love that. Vince Gilligan, um, you, uh, sorry, from Better Call Saul, but um, Snowpiercer, you watched the Oscars uh, the, last weekend? Did you catch it? I mean, was Paris, did Parasite, you know where I'm going with this, did yeah. Parasite surprise you? Did, did you see it? Were you loved s- it? Yeah, you lit. Would you have guessed the? Yeah, I saw it last year. That was it. that one. I was surprised. I liked it. I liked it, and I thought it was very good. Uh, it blew my mind, though. I I would never have said that's going to win an Oscar. I really? really no. Why? I just thought, I because I because I don't think much of the Academy sometimes. I think they miss stuff. Well, for fuck's sake, right? I mean, awards in general. I did. Yeah, and I uh, didn't you watch you have been him. nominated for a, a, a video a VGX award best voice character. By the way, you've got a, you've got some nice one, like to what? your credit. Did I win? You did not. No. You did not. Who won? Uh, I believe it went to uh, Nolan North for Uncharted, Drake's Fortune. I'm looking at my 11 year old. Yes, I believe he lost to Uncharted. So stupid, uh, right? Great game, also. Wrong. <laughs> But I mean, what no, do you the, think the, of the, the awards? awards? Like, the do awards? You, you don't care about that stuff. You don't strike me as someone who cares. Um, but if you get nominated tomorrow, are you going to be excited? Are you going to want to win it? I just—it's so subjective. How do you how do you go into a museum and say that's better than that? Yeah. How do you listen to music and go that song's better than that? It's so subjective. It's so silly. I, it's but that's show business. That's the business aspect of it. You know. I mean, I, and I, I who's I who's stuff right now? Like who, who's an actor who you go, holy shit, their stuff is like makes me feel like I'm two feet tall. <sighs> who do you like right now? Who's who's uh, do you? Well, do that's you pay, the tough one. Who would you love to work with? I mean, and I've said this so much, and I think it's become my stock answer, which I don't know if I believe anymore. It's just because it's the simple go-to for me. Is Peter Mullen has always been the person. And he did Westworld, and he yeah. worked with Jimmy Simpson, but I wasn't in that sort of stuff. Um, and he was actually... Uh, I don't know if I could say that, so I won't say it. Well, you could say um, it, and we could take it out after. <laughs> but I'd rather you say it. Peter Mullen was also in a project that I was in. I am involved with. Leave it at that. Cool. That he was in the running, that I was... When I heard his name was in the running, I was like, yeah. Because I mean, that's good stuff coming out of him, man. Anything he's so there. amazing. And Peter Mullen, I always say, has... And that's, again, just because I don't watch a lot of stuff. But... And again, this has probably been heard way too much. But Tyrannosaur, which was a film Patty Constantine did, wrote it and directed it. Uh, the opening scene of Peter Mullen in a pub. Nobody plays drunk like Peter Mullen. My Name is Joe, one of my favorite films. Um, 
He's we'll in see a if pop. we can link to that, Dylan. Let's put that in the link to below. It's it's pretty amazing. But the opening scene of my name is um, not my name is Joe, but Tyrannosaur is is Peter drunk in a pub, ties his little dog up front, little pea licker, which I call those little dogs that. I believe that uh, you're referring to like a little poodle or something. Yeah, or like a pea Sharpe, whatever. Yeah, one of those dogs. Cool. Um, and and <laughs> bless all of you for having them. Uh, love all creatures. Uh, hashtag animal cruelty not accepted. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, anyways, the, uh, the the things tied up. I said he's drinking and just getting smashed. This is the opening shot. Yeah. He then walks out. The dog. I haven't seen it. Now no, I want to see it. He kicks the dog. And as we know, you can, and video game, be, you know, we know, kill 100 people, no problem. Right. Hurt an animal. Game over. Outrage. Yeah. But was it special effects or did he really kick the dog? Well, he kicked the dog and the dog. And this is not a spoiler alert because this is the first five minutes of the film. <laughs> yeah. He picks the dog up. Yeah. He kicked it and he killed it. He picks the dog up. And it's a tracking shot of him walking down the road back home. Yeah. And you feel sorry for him. That, ladies Act- and gentlemen, is acting. acting. That is acting. That's, that's I, re- I, I read that, that you did not know when you did Westworld. I read that you didn't know you were even a robot. No. How at, do the, you- at the Vancouver Film School, when I talked to them the other day, I said, my best, well, my best advice was breathe. Which I think when I gave that advice, like someone asked, like, "What is?" It's your, not bad advice. What's your best advice? I was just like, "Breathe." Did you mean that in a like metaphorical yoga sense? In an everything sense. Yes, that's going to make you survive. And probably coming from having just had a panic attack myself, and probably been full of anxiety and depression. Sure. That was my own mantra. That I was just like, again, never breathe. bad advice. Never bad advice. Um, and I think she was sort of like, "That's it." I was like. Mm. Yeah, but the other thing I said is what you want to do on any set is ingratiate yourself as quickly as possible to the hair and makeup department. Yeah, I heard some students had, were talking about that. You made quite an impression to the students here. You did a great job. That was uh, you, They were buzzing about it. You're, you're probably right. I think those are the unsung heroes on set. People don't realize they know everything, those guys. They're the un- I mean, they do so much, but they also they're the only ones that know. Yeah, and that's what Westworld. Like I didn't. But you, you didn't know, know. You honestly didn't know you were a robot until hair and makeup. So what's interesting to me then is um, it's crazy. You know, like God forbid if actors know what the fuck is going on. But what a mind. You know, we're treated like kids. <laughs> I I just think it's. Did that change your method or your approach to the character when all of a sudden, or is the whole idea no? Uh, I mean, you're not. No. I mean, neither in re- in reality nor in Westworld did you know you were a robot. Doesn't and, matter. Yeah, I guess it doesn't, right? So maybe I just sort of answered my own question. Yeah, it truly doesn't matter. There I we mean, go. I think with. But again, what a cool, what a weird thing to then find out, and I, how do you act like a robot that doesn't know it's a robot and thinks you it's shouldn't a human. know? It's a, there's one thing. So nowadays, especially, and it's changed, but Walking Dead, Westworld, Better Call Saul. All of these shows that I've been incredibly fortunate to to be in, uh, you don't get full scripts. Yeah. You don't get the full season because I'm not one or two on the call sheet. If you're one or two on the call sheet, you get a lot more. But what what happens, and even in audition for these things, you get either made-up sides or watermark, like you you don't know anything but what you're given. And now this is probably, you know, five years ago, five years ago I'm talking, but what happens is that the beauty of it, once you get over the, fuck you, like give me some fucking information. Yeah, yeah. Am I a robot? Am I not? Am I this? Am I that? Am I aware that I'm a (laughs) non-sentient robot? Yeah, am I a zombie? Am I not? Like what the fuck? Am I a savior? Blowing out the sound, I'm sorry about that. Um, but what it does <laughs> is once you get over that frustration, yeah, is, yeah, is talk. I can only imagine. Talk about what acting is and what it should be as being in the moment, right? So what you end up doing is only having that moment, and it goes back to like my acting coach in New York City is say the line, like not like communicate that line. 
that's all you have. You don't know your backstory. You don't know what's going on. It's it's kind of Buddhist acting. You, you don't know do you what's behind. You fill it in like a lot of people. Like uh, some actors fill it in and they create all of it. You create your character on Walking Dead was one of the few that wasn't in the comic book, so you Correct. didn't you didn't have source material to go back to. No. Did it? Did does it matter to Stephen Ogg? No. I didn't. That's interesting. Because, again, case in point with it is that you you. Um, you're truly in the moment of finding out what's going on. Yeah. And oh my God, what a, what a beautiful thing that is, is to be able to not know where you're going. It's frustrating and you, again, after you get your sure. things untwisted and you accept it, it's so beautiful to be able to just be like, okay. What are we doing right now? You're very pragmatic about that. And I think that's, I like the way you articulate that, Stephen, because I read, I have a ton of respect for, for you know, who doesn't, for uh, Daniel, Day, Daniel Day Lewis, right? Full method, whatever. But I always wondered, I mean, your character on Walking Dead, uh, Simon, I, I believe was a mortgage, it was supposed to be, you were supposed to have been a mortgage broker before the, the apocalypse happened, something like that, a realtor. I mean, um, Scott Gimple and I kind of talked about sort of the the whole Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Does it matter to the extent, like, if if this is the scene where you and Negan are going to go toe-to-toe, does it matter if you were a carpenter or a mortgage broker? Like, I don't know if at the audience, no. I sh- and I'm not taking away from actors who do, because if that's what it takes Daniel Day-Lewis to get, put Lincoln on my screen, pfft. You know, that's incredible work. But do you really got to be called Lincoln for six months? I mean, it's a little... I don't know. Or, or what's his name? Uh, you know, Jared Leto, right? He was like full Joker the whole time in Suicide Squad. I don't know. I mean, but yet you hear, you I feel like... stories about that. I mean, again, it's it sort of goes back to... Have you ever worked to, with actors like that? Um, no. It goes, you know, Lawrence Olivier, I think, was with Dustin Hoffman in Marathon Man when he did say, it's acting, my boy. Yeah, let's, right. Let's not forget that. We're we're fucking playing. We're 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 grown up adults being kids. Right. right. So just stop being so fucking precious. Whatever you have to get there, I'm not gonna judge. Of course. But but at the end of the I day, I like that you have that like, do you really have to be like that and isolate people? I mean, it is a team sport. Wow, look at all these analogies with sports. I love it. I'm not even yeah. trying to tie it. Volleyball in. man. But it is a team sport. And the more you are inclusive, like Andrew Lincoln, number one on the call sheet, Walking Dead. My God, that man set the bar for what a set should be. I don't care if you're a zombie. True professional, eh? I don't care if you're a guest star. I don't care what you are. We are all in this together. And we all make this better. And if I treat you like shit, what's the point? Which, you know, like... Good I guy think- to work with? John Bernthal, good guy to work. I guess you he would have worked with him. With he was gone after. I met that. John at the cons and yeah, he's, right, he's right. just a love. I mean, that's the one thing with these these shows, it's sort of like doing theater, is you make it's like with Snowpiercer. Like our group text yeah. sometimes gives me anxiety because it's a lot. But there's mm, some big names on there. I just love everyone so much. And literally recently someone had sent a, like part of the group text of like, this is why I love our show. Because we're all in touch with each other. Dinner tonight, are we going? Or like, it's important. Uh, Walking Dead was the same thing. Uh, such a great group of people. Such loves. And, you know, I'm still in touch with a lot. And, and Austin Emilio is and forever shall be my girl. You know, he was Dwight on the show. He's Fear the Walking Dead. Um, it's a pretty beautiful opportunity to spend, to to meet people and to create these lifelong relationships and friendships. That that to me, again, life is art. That's more important than that scene, or when we acted together. Do you, do you remember when we acted on pants off? Yeah, when you Who let's talk for a minute about <laughs> zombies for a second. They are getting, it's getting pretty gory. Um, like, there was some pretty really heavy stuff in terms of the gore on these zombies. The bar is, I mean... Greg Nicotero, man. Fucking genius. I guess you would have to call him a genius. It's gross, but at the brilliant. same time, it's brilliant. Um, did it? Does it dawn on you that as you're doing these scenes, like, 
there's extras in a movie and then there's zombie extras. Does it ever, did it ever feel you're one of the few actors who can say, I did The Walking Dead. There is no television show like it on earth. I mean, these zombies, every one of them I feel is a work of art and has a different, I mean, if you pause it, there is a story being told in the, the torn clothing they're wearing and the lint, right? I'm not exaggerating, right? Like he took it that seriously, didn't he? Yeah. Did it ever feel real? Well, I never, I mean, you know, being on that show for, what, two, two and a half, three years, I never saw zombies, right? I was never, I never got to kill a zombie. I was Wait never, a minute, the entire time the you're... End. Correct. Okay, yeah. I was, I was in the sanctuary, I was doing my thing, I never saw zombies. They were never, like, outside, well, yeah, I guess you cut to that shot, At they the do that. End, yeah, you're never... When I became... Oh, dude, there were a lot of zombies. But until then, I hadn't seen them. The only time I saw one was at lunch for the first time. When you go to the cafeteria and fucking someone's sitting there and you're just like, dude, I can't eat next to you because it's so gross. <laughs> no, it's disgusting, it's crazy. But I never, I never got to see them. I never got to hang out with them. I mean, they were always incredible because and like p- famous and- people have wanted to do it. Like it's either you're in, like I think Prince Harry and Prince William were in Star Wars. They were stormtroopers, and that's the new thing now. Really, if you can be a, an A list celebrity and just even just who's ha- the one now living on the Vancouver Island? Is that Prince? Harry? Harry. Yeah, and and so lots maybe he of people. Could be on da- Snowpiercer. Da- Daniel Daniel Craig is a was a stormtrooper, right? Todd, was it Daniel Craig? It was Daniel Craig. Tons of these guys have done Star Wars. Todd knows everything about this stuff. Really? Yeah. They just wanted to be in the film? Yeah. And celebrity, like big A-listers just wanted to be in Walking and be a zombie. It's like the thing now. Really? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. All that. Yeah. I, I, would, I would like to do it if there's anything you could do. Yeah, there's nothing I can do. Yeah. Well, I had to ask. I, am, I had I'm, to ask. I'm number 686 on a call sheet, so. It's a, it's a really quite a show. Um, do you feel like you'll be an actor for the rest of your life? Is this it for you? Um, or in this industry? Rick Moranis making a comeback after 25 years. Not that I think you and Rick Moranis have anything. But not come- that he ever went away. He yeah, was he did. Doing he other t- stuff. He, did he? Did he yeah, quit? Yeah, he was gone. He, yeah. he, he left the business. Well, I quit and, and for six years to build a house. So that's, a, that's an extended hiatus. But did you know you were coming back? I will say this. And this is... This is um, possibly once you send me the edit, I'll be like, yeah, let's not fucking put that in. No problem. But I did have um, a a, a, a lady friend. (laughs) Don't look at my, (laughs) don't look at my 11 year old. He doesn't know. It was a friend. That was a girl. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't always have to be a girlfriend. It could just be a friend. That's a girl. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) I had a friend. That's a girl. Simple, the simplicity of who said to me once, you know, it always feels like you're sort of one foot's in and one foot's out. And I say that just as an analogy of acting, too. I think there's truth to I have one foot in and one foot out. Sometimes I'm always thinking that's it, I'm done. I'm just, I just want to. Would you, I feel like you'd miss and it. Disappear. What would you, what would you do? Would you not miss it? You you look to enjoy it so much in the roles you play. You look you. you I love so I much love doing. I love the work. I love yeah. the work so much. I don't know what else I would do. Uh, I'm collaborating with a you know I, a couple people with making IPAs, which excites me. Yeah. Um, Good for you. Uh, That's creative. Yeah, and and I'm working. You know, I've been worked with these these uh, artists in LA. Graffiti artists, um, not even, I shouldn't say graffiti artists, they're artists. Um, I enjoy doing that. Ideally, I would love to work two to three days a week acting on a show. And I think I would be probably a different human being just for being able to have that opportunity to work consistently as opposed to two to three days a month. Um, I, yeah, I don't know what else I would do. I always think, though, that, again, one foot is out, one foot is in, just in that. Do you, do you bring that that approach? Is the audition process for you? I mean, I say this almost every time we have an actor on the show because it just blows my mind. I mean, no other career path in the world really requires you to have a job interview before it every time. And the odds are overwhelmingly high you won't get the job. Correct. Um, and yet... 
you persist and you want to continue to do it. So you, there must be such an overwhelming love for it when you do get the job. Do you do you do invest yourself <clears throat> or, heavily in the in the in the audition process? I mean, there's you know I haven't auditioned for a while now, which I have. Um, that that means you're doing pretty good. No, not because I'm having offers. Trust me, if you would be a fly on the wall yesterday talking to my manager, you wouldn't be saying that. Um, I would love more opportunities. I don't mind auditioning. It's it's nauseating and tough, but uh, I don't I don't care. I I love it. I just want opportunities. Like I will do whatever. Like I will. I love auditions for the opportunity, not necessarily the process, because I get quite. Bleh, they're terrible. Um, but I, you know, I just I, I think it's. Man, I mean, I I, I do love acting I, and I love to work and it's it's a tough business to, to to keep in but it was I think Jane was it Judy Dench Dame Judy Dench I was about to say Jim I think it was Judy Dench or Helen Mirren one of those. both exceptional women right of, so of it, talent whoever it was it was yeah. it was incredible and I think I think it was Judy Dench that's why I was kind of like Jane on D- Dame, Dame Judy, Judy Dench. um said if you have nothing to fall back on you can only go forward sure and that's i sort of used to believe oh maybe i'll just be a renaissance man and be a little good at everything but no you know what if you have fucking nothing to fall back on and at this point you know i'm 48 7 however old i am 7 48 53 68 but if it was if you have nowhere to go you just keep going because what what am i going to do now you're you're a parent home depot you're a parent if i came to you and i said hey man my my kid wants to be an actor i mean you get students and people all the time yeah you and i said i'm worried would you talk them into it or talk them out of it like what more so i think nowadays than ever what's what's the secure job right a nurse my sister was a nurse. She works in palliative care now, but in Alberta, they just fucking cut thousands of jobs. Nurses. Teacher? What? No. Like, what job is there that is secure? Tax collector. Lawyer. Probably. Because they'll always be bottom-feeding fucking catfish. <laughs> Sorry, was no, that? We're leaving that. Was one that? Was that? We're leaving that. Did one I make in. a comment we about have, lawyers? Actually, we have the head counsel, chief legal counsel for Paramount coming in after you, but don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> but there, there, but there, no, you're right. Nothing secure. Nothing secure. My uh, my only thing I maybe, would say maybe that's the myth of acting is that it's no it's no less sec- insecure than anything else. It's so stupid, right? Oh, I would never encourage my child to be an actor. That's a terrible business. Okay, so I'm sorry. What is a good business? That's what my response would be. Right. What is a sure thing nowadays? There's nothing. Nothing. I mean, my only thing would be like... Can anyone act? I know your position on education. I know you believe it's important. But are, you, are act, great actors made or born? Well, I mean, you can make a great performance. Right? Especially film and television. You can be shitty actor yeah that part we know make a great performance i mean it it was actually there was a great example of um paper moon great movie right tatum o'neill oscar that's going back Uh, yeah she was a kid she was she was a little girl arthur is it arthur penn no who did the film don't do that to me Uh, it's way before my time but she did that with with her dad correct yeah fuck who was the uh all right, this is where we'd cut while I check IMDb. Because he came to see a play I was in, in New York. What? Really? Not Arthur Penn. I know, I know what you're... Come on. It's coming. Come on. Eh, 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 Mr. Eh. Know-it-all? Star Wars. No. Oh, okay. Uh, Arthur. He produced Arthur. it. The director? No. Frank Marshall. Paper Moon? Yeah. Was Frank Marshall? Yeah. Francis Ford Coppola was also an uncredited. What the hell? Francis Ford Coppola was an uncredited producer of Paper Moon. I didn't know that either. There you go. Was Arthur... Who am I fucking thinking of then? Well, the writer? 
wrote Paper Moon? Uh, Alvin Sargent. Wow. Yeah. Then what the fuck am I thinking of? Then maybe it had nothing to do with Paper Moon. Other than oh, we were going thing. somewhere so good. With it. Sorry, everybody. And this is what Storyteller Studio is all about. When th- this is Stephen Ogg summed up in one interview. <laughs> but Paper the point, Moon. The point being with it, it was it was Arthur Pan. It was it was a very famous because I, I couldn't. We were walking down Seventh Avenue, Twenty Third. And he went and saw you in a school play. No, this was I was doing an off Broadway play. Um, Can you sing? No. I love to sing. Can you dance? No. I'm, I'm a one-trick pony. But point being that we should clip together for, for the, the, the performance and what can be made is that what he was saying regarding Tatum O'Neill in that is that she would have 47 or 48 takes. Yeah. Ryan O'Neill, one or two takes. Really? Because they didn't have the, they, you can't keep going all day. Point being, you can create a performance with someone. You can make yeah, them good. I guess and I, she won an Oscar. Yeah, I just think though that there are some people that some, you know, when I talk to really great uh, instructors and teachers of the of the craft, and I am not an actor, so this is not a world that I understand to that extent. But I'm around them so much, and I get the chance to work and interview them often, and I hear sometimes that that adage that acting is react. And I go, that actually kind of makes sense. Like sometimes I see that as like, it's, it's clever. It's it's maybe minimalist or simplistic, but in some cases that is really true. You're saying you can make a performance, but I do feel like once in a while there's someone there just a really good fucking actor. And oh, of course. They were, I think they were born that way because then you go and you look at their CV and you're like, they don't really have a ton of formal training or any training sometimes, and they're just kind of doing it. So I'm fascinated by. Is I mean, that... Joaquin Phoenix, right? I mean, I, it's not like he had he went to Rada. Yeah, he's just a very uh, emotionally available person, and that's Maybe... why I say life is art. Yeah, if you work on your life and you work on being emotionally available, it's only going to help you in acting because you're going to be open. Acting is reacting, and there you go. You're open to it. You should have your own podcast, for sure. I would say to you, if I was your manager, if I was like the way you see it, and so many podcasts now, there's so many. I mean, I've done uh, your own so show, Webster podcast, probably a, a, a dumb word for it. Your own series. There, there's, no, there's a, there's an appetite for great conversations forever, which is why I love to do this stuff. Oh, I love to chat. Um, I'm a big fucking blabbermouth. But I mean, I, I, I have read so much. Uh, of your interviews and watched as much as I pot- I've consumed a lot of it when we knew you were coming on the show I do a lot of prep and like you were made for Very that Gian Gameshi that <laughs> oh is that terrible is that a terrible it's reference a, it's especially not especially in Canada it's is not that, the one I, say that? I'm not looking for Peter that. Mansbridge Knowlton Nash very Knowlton Nash <laughs> of you <laughs> You don't even know who Nobody they are. Nobody knows. You were not even no born. No one knows. Anyone no, just that was knows. a very old. I would be content for people just to go. If they think you are as interesting as you are, then then I've done a good job. But I also think the the trick of it now is getting in there every time and trying to find something like we call it the storyteller studio because we would like you to get caught up in all the alleys and. Sidebars you can take on which you like exemplify. Yeah, well, I don't. I don't think you. This need is to, like uh, should have been called Stephen Og Lane, which is just every exit to the left or right. I'm of saying you. coming in here, I was like, "Fuck! How am I going to talk about this?" Because yeah. I just ran into a friend that I haven't seen in 20 years, and will you a country um, house with me? And you're, a, but straight up, you're you're a great actor. You're very good. Do you think you're a good actor? No, honestly, like, like I know I'm good at what I do. How? So I guess that what, would be. Why? What, by what measure? Because I have an abject focus, and I'm very myopic in my work. When I come to work, I'm fucking here. I'm so present. But that's all it takes for you to be convinced you're a good actor? I do think you're a good actor. I wouldn't say, I would measure it by your performance, but you don't often watch your performance. How do you know? It doesn't matter either way. I just consider when I bring it, I bring it. Yeah, watch your mic there. I bring it. Yeah. All in. All in. I believe that so, by every sense. And of someone it. actually asked me once about, like, are you, do people get intimidated by you on set because you seem very intense? People say that about you, eh? Someone had said that. I was like, no. I'm just focused. I'm here for you. Like, that's my thing. I'm open. I'm here. 
to, to, to just be with you. And it's a very myopic. <laughs> have you ever have you ever left a part or a role and you have been unhappy with where you left it? Do you ever, you know do you leave it all on the field as they say, or are are there times where the director can go that's that's a cut and we're wrapped and you're still like shit I didn't I didn't nail it. Do you do you do you obsess over that? Uh, no, not my job. Good for you. Like film and television is not an actor's medium. You're there for so many other people. Right. Just you do the best you can. And then it doesn't, you have no control over what they use and what they don't. You're a good actor. You're very, very good. Thank um, you. you brought, you, you have defined, um, you have crossed over and, be, and made video games uh, performance at a time when they're being looked at for all the wrong reasons. And now they're being taken very seriously. They're, they're you know, you, you know all those things. But Trevor Phillips is up there with, uh, with one of the all-time great characters. Um, you did a hell of a job. And then for you to then have the success you're seeing on film and TV. Um, when is Snowpiercer coming out? May 31st. May 31st. Will you come back and do the show another time, Trevor? Fuck yes. Trevor. Uh, Steven? I just called you Trevor. My God, this is how many hours of GTA. <laughs> you want to piss me off, call me Trevor. I, uh, forgive me, Steven. It's a cartoon. Um, I can't even be a cartoon. It, uh, when people call me Trevor on the street, I'm like, the how quotable can, Stephen Hogg. I can't, Ugg, I can't even be a cartoon. I can't. You're a human cartoon. Yeah, I mean, I can't be a you, cartoon, you, so you there's no way I could be Trevor. You are animated, my friend. Um, we True. love you at Vancouver Film School. You always Thank have a home here. Uh, we hope you'll come again. The students, I mean, I have not seen this kind of buzz, uh, and we've had some incredible actors here. Since all Matthew, the, Ilir, all, all the time. Since, Sir Lo since Lawrence Olivier. No, no. What, what's a... <laughs> uh, Descendants, wonderful man. Matthew. Oh, well, Matt Lillard was here. Matt Lillard. Uh, you're talking about, yeah, it's yeah. Like Matthew Illiard. I was like, no, I... Matt Lillard. He's great. Yeah. He's, we, he's here. We had, we had, uh, we had Gabrielle Carteris was just here the other yeah. day. Uh, Union pres president. Pre yeah. Is she your, I'm assuming she's your president. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm part of the union, yeah. so yeah. she's my president. Yeah. 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 Um, she's great. <laughs> we have all sorts of, them. they're always walking those. You, my friend, you have lingered. There is a there Oof. is something in the air, and it's good. It's Oof. really good. Um, thank you for coming in. It's all uh, that kale. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to enjoy the craft beer. Come back and do the show again, uh, ladies and gentlemen. The animated and the always uh, fascinating Stephen. Always Ogg. fascinating. Thank you for coming. Thank you.